What's up, everybody? It's Chad from Ask Chad Grassy Logic. I'm here today with my special guest, Nicole Fox from the Southwest Trade Association. She also has a lot more under her belt, but I'll let her explain that to you here in a second. Um, so thank you for joining me today. We're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. The legislation session, like I said, has been going on for the past couple of weeks, and there's some stuff to talk about. So without further ado, Nicole, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody. And thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. My name is Nicole Fox. I'm a technical writer in the cannabis industry and I do consulting. Um, I help people with licensing, standard operating procedures, business plans, compliance checks, and becoming operational. So um, I'm also one of the founders of the Southwest Cannabis Trade Association. We are an association to help establish a community of cannabis business owners and cannabis adjacent business owners. We have bi-monthly meetings. Our next meeting is actually March 3rd at Picacho Peak Brewery at 4 p.m. And we're asking uh, cannabis businesses to come and show us what they've got. We're having a little vendor market and we want to see you set up your booth um, and work on your marketing and so that's what we're doing March 3rd. And then April 21st, we're having a conference at the Las Cruces Convention Center, cool. which is um, also sponsored by the city of Las Cruces. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. You know, you guys have had events and stuff since, you know, I remember last year, you know, it was mm-hmm. the first time I, I interacted with you and met you guys. And, you know, you guys have been having meetings since then. And, you know, I'm glad to see that you're kind of reaching out more and got the city to kind of get on board. But the city's been fairly supportive when it comes to cannabis in the first place. That's, Absolutely. that's been helpful. The city's um, extremely supportive and they really want the cannabis industry to succeed and to it, for it to be a benefit to our community. So. I agree. Cause you know, Las Cruces, you know, being Southern New Mexico, you think of Southern New Mexico as more conservative, but we've taken more of a liberal approach to cannabis versus other places in the state and actually some places around the country. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's actually very relieving to see because, you know, the industry is being treated like an industry around here versus, you know, something that's like, ah, don't get me wrong. It's not perfect. There's a few things that do need to change and that, you know, should change in the future. But, you know, with time, you know, people should start understanding. So, but yeah, thank you again for joining me. And um, is there anything else you want to say that's going on with the, the Southwest Trade Association or anything before we get going? Um, you know, we, we really like to focus on education. So we like to hear from cannabis business owners, consumers, um, the community on what kind of education they need. Later today, when you give me a few minutes, I'll talk about compliance. We okay. recently had um, a cannabis account, a cannabis CPA come and present. That mm-hmm. was super helpful. Nice. Um, so really the association is here for the community and for the success of the community. And we want to hear from the local cannabis businesses. Nice. Uh, just like us over here on the podcast. However, she has a lot more resources that you guys can use than, than we can when it comes to that front, especially when it comes to licensing. So if you guys have any questions on that, you know, definitely give them or, you know, specifically Nicole, um, a contact or a shout because, you know, she can help you out. She's helped many people um, in the state or especially in the area uh, get their licenses. So um, anyway, let's, uh, let's get on with the, the episode and everything. I really wanted to talk you know, a lot about like the legislature going on. There's some bills that dropped earlier this week. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you've, you know, been able to read a little bit, you know, or all of it. Um, I haven't read through all of them. 313 is really what I kind of focused on. You know, the other ones are kind of like, oh, okay, you know, I'll get to that once I get really through this. And I haven't even gone through this one, you know, all the way, you know, through too. 
Um, so I'll, I'll go through that one. So HB, which stands for House Bill, um, 313, it was introduced by Andrea Romero. She's of District 46 in Santa Fe and Javier Martinez. He's of District 11 in Bernalillo, which is up north. Um, so these two representatives of the Fermi area, if you're for, for this, against it, these are the people that you would contact or people of your representatives. You contact your representatives if you have any issues or anything from your area. You can Google it. I think Facebook, do they still have that where you can look up who your representative is? They used to have a real little cool little tool for that. Um, I don't know if they do, but I was in Santa Fe yesterday and our local senators were present yeah, at the Miao cannabis event. Yeah. And um, especially around here, if you have input, I think senators like Senator Hamlum and yes. Senator Bill Souls really want to hear what you have to say. Definitely. You know, I've, <clears throat> I've interviewed Senator Hamlin before. She's really great to talk to. She's fun. Um, she understands. And she's a cannabis grower. You know, yeah. she grows cannabis. And she's really open about, you know, talking about growing cannabis. So if you ever have, have an opportunity to talk to her, do it. Um, especially if you're into cannabis, you know, she might want to listen to you. Maybe you have a good idea that they can, you know, use in the state that would help the industry out some, somewhat or whatever. Right. Um, so don't be afraid to talk to representatives, guys. That's the way our government works is you are supposed to be able to talk to representatives, not can you, it's you are, you know, it's, there's a difference. So that is your right, you know, to be able to contact your representatives in this country. So these people that I'm talking about, they're not, sub, they're not, ex, ex, <laughs> they, they're not um, away from that rule. So you can contact these people too. That's why I give you guys this information. However, if these aren't your representatives, you contact your representative. You can still contact these representatives because it's their bill. You know, sometimes that's, you know, a better route to go. However, if your representative says against it, or maybe your representative is kind of on the fence, you can contact them. And sometimes you can change their mind. I've been told by representatives before, it takes two people for them to say constituents. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's yeah. true. That's plural. So, you know, when it comes to that, sometimes it only takes two people for something to change. And, you know, when it comes to things like that, it only took two old ladies up north to bring up, I think, a smell concern or something like that for them to change something. So keep in mind, it really doesn't take that many people for this to change, guys. So, you know, your concern or your suggestion could be the one that changes a lot, hopefully for the positive. Um, so anyway, moving on. So this bill right here, it changes a lot for the medical, not medical, excuse me. It does address some medical stuff, I guess, but it, for the CRA or the Cannabis Regulation Act, I'm still getting used to saying the, um, the like rec side. Yeah. Um, so this does add some changes. The title of it isn't like cannabis regulation changes or anything like that. Um, actually the title, I have it right here. Um, <clears throat> ah, I can't see it anyway. So it has a different title. And what it does, it's going to add some cannabis nursery stuff. That's what it is. It's a cannabis nursery one. I couldn't think of it at the top of my head. So it adds cannabis nurseries as a cannabis establishment. Before that, I think it was through a department of ag and it really didn't cost that much. And it was like a weird gray area, you know, with seeds and clones and like having a nursery. And there was a lot of people is doing it, hemp? it. Is it? Is it not hemp? Is it regulated in the state? Because, you know, it, this, the Department of Ag says it's hemp because it didn't have THC. Then you look at the federal right. guidelines and it says it's hemp because it doesn't have THC. And so this is just clarifying that it is a part of the New Mexico cannabis industry. They are going to be a part of the establishments. They are going to have to pay a lot, a lot, a lot, et cetera, et cetera. So now instead of just being Department of Ag and being a little loophole, they're closing this loophole and kind of just saying, okay, sorry, we didn't address this before, but now we are. Um, which is, is kind of fair in my, my opinion. I don't know about yours, you know, it's, it's fair, but at the same time, it's really expensive. Yeah. In my opinion, I think it 
create some infrastructure of how the industry is to operate because there was some question like if you want to buy clones do you buy them from a producer do you buy them at a retail yeah. spot like yeah. where do you get them can my buddy so, next door give them to me right you know, so like... to, to designate the nurseries that will provide clones etc i think that's probably a good yeah, I, I think so too, you know, because it was such a great area. And don't get me wrong, some operators, you know, really loved it. However, you know, it doesn't look good when we're operating in such a shady manner. You know, we're not California, so let's not do that. Um, so it, it's kind of good that this is getting added. My kind of thing is it does increase the price. And I'll get to that of how much it did cost. You know, it was a lot cheaper when it was Department of Ag, but now it's it's probably getting the price it probably should get because, you know, they, they do make a lot of money. They could, you know, they provide thousands upon thousands of plants to people you know um, you know every year really they roughly cost ten dollars each to produce no just they sell them oh they sell about ten but yeah so about ten bucks a pop eight to ten dollars yeah and then i'm sure if you're you know a big producer they probably you know give you a discount or something or a bulk i mean pricing. i think you i see there that the license proposed cost is two thousand five hundred per year plus the premise fee um, plus an additional premise of a thousand dollars. So if you had a you know an additional one, it's a thousand dollars on top of that. So it's not pretty terrible. Yeah, free. it's pretty, pretty low, low but it's a lot higher than what it was. It was like fifty bucks before. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people had a really easy time getting in. So if right. you guys are trying to get a license or for this, you probably should like be on it like yesterday because this isn't like law right now. This is just going through committees and you know everything. It hasn't even been signed. Um, and to be honest, this is probably going to change in the next couple of days once it starts hitting, right. you know, its committees. So, you know, what I'm telling you guys right now may not be the same thing next week. So at the time of recording, this is what this is saying. So I guess I should have said that beforehand. So at the time of recording, this is what this bill says. It's probably going to change. Actually, not probably. This is going to change. And it could die in committee. Right. You know, it could it could totally die. And then we have to wait till next year, which I don't I don't know if that'll happen next year because it's a 30 day session. Um, but yeah, so moving on, giving you guys a little more information on this bill. Um, it does increase microproducers plants from 200 to a thousand. I was hoping for 2000 and again, it could change. It could increase. It could die. But right now it's at a thousand, which is actually good. You know, it's <clears throat> significantly more than what they had. However, I do feel like 2000 would kind of keep them a little more competitive. I don't know about you, you know, what you've experienced, you know, with licensing and everything and what people are producing. Um, well, you know. I, I don't know what to think about that because <laughs> honestly, um, for some micro growers, they do need a little bit of oomph behind them yeah. um, to, to propel them from where they started from here this year to mm -hmm. the future years. So um, I think an increase is fair. I'm not sure what it should be at. Um, I wonder if the pay structure remains the same if it's a thousand, because right now, if you have over 200 plants, you have to pay $5 per plant mm -hmm. at licensing time. Yeah. Um, so if the micro becomes a thousand, will they still not have a plant fee would probably be one of my questions. That's a good question. Um, I would say no, because I didn't see anything in the bill that says that, cool. um, you know, I didn't see anything, you know, that said that it would. However, it could change yeah, <laughs> in right, the future. Right. Um, you know, that could change. I mean, I think it's great in the spirit of social equity. And yeah. It gives the moms and pops a, you know, a little boost if yeah. they need it. No, I agree. And, you know, I've seen people just the past year, you know, kill 1,800 plants. 
you know, oh, and know. they're the big market, they're the big producer, you know, they're the big right, license. Right. So, you know, that, that wasn't much for them, but I've seen people go and just kill out 1800 plants because they're new to it. That's so, true. you know, having 2000 plants that might help out someone who's right, new. They... So, you know, it's all levels too, as well. So that's kind of why I was thinking about 2000 because, you know, the people that are new, they're going to kill plants left and right. You know, like, you know, I've killed plants it's left so and right sad. before. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's sad, that, you know, but it happens, you know, like things happen and sometimes it's out of your control. Right. You know, like, and, and it's just like, oh, oh no. it's definitely a lot of times out yeah. of your control. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, no. So, I mean, that's the reason why I feel 2000. And I just kind of want to know their reasoning for, you know, a thousand right. instead of 2000. And, you know, I'm open to hear, you know, like the reason it's suggesting. I think it probably why. coincides with the increase they did for the regular licenses. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. You know, a thousand at a time. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, like, like we said, this is probably going to change, you know, hopefully it doesn't decrease, only increases. Um, so yeah, as of right now, the bill states that, you know, uh, micro growers or producers will get an increase of, you know, 800 plants. So that's, you know, positive. Um, if you guys are a micro producer or you're planning to be a micro producer, you should probably contact your representatives and maybe shoot for 2000. Um, you know I mean? That just seems fair, you know, 2000. Yeah. I mean, the big producers, they get so many plants that, you know, 2000 really isn't much to them. Um, you know, I don't know how many are growing that many. I, I don't, can't tell you off the top of my head, you know, which one is growing how many plants, because sometimes they don't even tell you that, you know, like they, yeah. they keep that confidential to the company, which, you know, which is fair. And some people declare a plant count, but never reach that count. Yeah, exactly. You know, they so realize I have a, the amount of capital it takes to get going and like, they may have a plant count of a thousand and are like, no, this first year we're only going to do 500 or 800. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it costs a lot, you know, just uh, doing, you know, grow plans and stuff like that and building grows out and doing blueprint prints for them and, you know, giving people quotes. Sometimes the the quote they you give them, they, their eyes get really big and they're like, oh, my God, I didn't realize it's going to cost this much. You know, just one light sometimes will cost them six hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's somewhere up there, you know, in the whole. Do you whole... say wait till you have to pay for labor? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we try. I try to incorporate that, but it's like you know, we'll wait until that but comes they around. They already decided they're going to do everything themselves. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm going to water every plant by myself, and I'm like, oh, it's cute, because <laughs> you can only do that for so long before yeah, just, yeah. you know you, you can't do it anymore. So that's good that they're doing that. Uh, moving on with the bill. Um, so what it does also, it's removing a lot of the licenses from being under the Uniform Licensing Act. I haven't read the Uniform Licensing Act, so I'm not I too sure not what it says. So I'm going to have to go in and read what that says. But that's what it's doing. It's removing that. What I'm thinking is it's kind of removing some of the weird guidelines that it had um, when it came to licensing in the cannabis industry because it was so weird. Um, I'm not too sure what like the super details are of it yet because you know we're so early in this. Right. Um, so this is really what it says. That's pretty much all the, the sentence says when it had it underlined. Um, so keep that in mind, grain of salt, you know, it could get removed, could get striked out totally, you know, um, and when I say striked out in the bill, they'll literally strike out a sentence. And what that means is that it's taken out the bill, but they'll keep it there. So you know what it said. Um, and then if it's underlined, that means it's something new that's been added to the bill or the law, oh. et cetera, et cetera. Um, oh, you didn't know that. <laughs> uh, so that's one way that you guys know what things are new or old or what's I being know added. About the Oh, you didn't know about the underlining? <laughs> It'll say new material as well sometimes, but the underlining is like something that's been added or changed or is the change. So that's one way that you guys can see it really fast. And also control find is your best friend. 
Um, that's how you can find some of the things that you want to find very quickly um, is that button. So um, moving on with that, there's really not much to talk about that one, just moving from one thing to another. I think it's just clarifying and kind of t loosening up some you know loopholes. Um, also, the, the director now in this bill will actually get a lot more power. Um, so right now, really all they can do is kind of just like really get mad at you and, you know, I guess maybe take your license, but now they can actually fine you up to a thousand dollars. So if they go to your facility and they see something wrong, they'll, they can say, oh, well, we're going to fine you this, you know, or we told you this last week and it's not fixed. Here's the fine of $1,000 on the spot. So that's one thing that's coming down because a lot of places aren't in compliance. Right. And uh, Nicole and I had a conversation earlier this week and it's almost 200 businesses were out of compliance or there was 200 com um, compliance issues and that's not good. You know, like a lot of people are like, oh, it doesn't sound like a lot. It's like, but it's quite a lot, you know, like uh, 100, 200, you're getting up there. That's quite a and bit. Some of the... Some the, of them are some like some of the deficiencies are easy, easily correctable, yeah, like yeah. Uh, staff not displaying their badges correctly. Yeah, or yeah, and some of it is it's a matter like, of getting into the habit of things. Exactly, but you know, one thing that's happening is I guess the grace period is starting to end with the CCD, and we're starting to see that. And I, this bill is kind of reflecting that, is what I'm seeing. Right, is like that grace period, the honeymoon phase, I guess that we, well, we had. Renewals just started. <laughs> <laughs> Bad just started. Exactly. So a lot of changes are coming yep. to our industry, guys. And this is going to be one of them. And, and you know, being fined $1,000, I mean, for each, um, oh, I'm sorry, I was reading the wrong one. It's $1,000. I guess it's up to, and this could change. This could increase or they could change it to, well, we're just going to fine you $500 per issue that you have. So if there's 10, you probably have a big bill coming, buddy. Um, so, you know, just keep that in mind guys. And sometimes, um, they'll probably just shut you down. And that's another thing is RLD is going to have more investigative powers with this bill. Um, they're going to be able to, um, investigate longer, look at more things and then be able to shut you down. And so if you're not following the law, the rules, whatever, RLD, CCD, they're going to come down and shut you down and, you know, either take your license, fine you, whatever. And that's because, you know, they gave us an opportunity to learn and some people just have it, <laughs> you know, they just refuse to. And I was reading a, an article. Some people article. never opened their standard operating procedures. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, you're correct. <laughs> some I, didn't. I do, do want to say that at this time, I have been involved in some cannabis control division um, inspections. Mm -hmm. so, surprise. Yeah. They yeah. haven't been calling ahead of time um, with producers and they were very easy to work with mm -hmm. and although they identified um issues that could be corrected with a corrected corrective action plan they seemed super motivated to want to help businesses remain open Good. and make the necessary corrections so um you know that being said it's not a matter of if a business is going to get inspected now with you know mm -hmm. renewals coming up and different things happening, um, laws changing, laws changing, um, black market involvement, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it's a matter of when the cannabis businesses are going to be inspected. So no, that's, that's everybody a good should prepare for it. I agree. Uh, 100%. Especially if they can go through an inspection without a fine and, and work on a corrective action plan. Definitely. I mean, especially right now, guys, you know, you're in a really good time in the industry because people coming after this are going to have a really hard time because there's going to be fines, you know, probably behind some of these stuff that, right. you know, simple things, you know, badges not being shown, exit signs, 
you know, uh, maybe even, you know, wet floor sign, you know, that's no probably why. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I saw that was like a really big issue. And, you know, it's an issue when I go into some, you know, some establishments, you know, I'm like, who trains these people? <laughs> you know, like, oh my gosh, it's like they just pulled somebody from right out of, you know, college and just said, oh. all right, good luck. <laughs> yes, cannabis control division definitely wants you to train your employees. And it makes sense. On you know. basic work environment things that you would be trained on if you worked anywhere. Yeah, definitely. And it's not like it's, you know, super cannabis stuff. Like she said, it's just basic things. Health and hygiene, occupational safety, customer service. There we go. Simple stuff, <laughs> you know, like stuff that all businesses should be training their employees to do very well because your business kind of right. relies on that. Um, so, you know, A keep that in mind. A funny story. Oh, yeah, I, go ahead. I create yeah, yeah. standard operating procedures for cannabis businesses. A little core binder of you know, the basic minimum things they need to follow. And I always put a little secret sentence in there to see if people actually read their standard operating procedures. And in the last year, not one person has called me out. No way. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I put funny stuff in there, like um, you're required to sing whatever song happy yeah. birthday or something out loud while you wash your hands <laughs> <laughs> i think i've seen that somewhere <laughs> <laughs> oh that's hilarious you know what there's someone out there that's actually doing that thinking that you know oh, okay this is how we do it and like it's... well hand washing is important oh very very you know at least i'm doing it for <laughs> you know what yeah you know going into men's restrooms a lot i've seen that <laughs> Anyways, I just thought I'd mention that. No, no, that's that's great. You know, compliance tip one: get SOPs and read them. <laughs> or exactly. Them. Yeah, or, or write them yourselves, guys. And, and they're not super hard. You know, it's just a how-to. Right. You know, like a how-to to do it step by step. That's it, down by down. And when I was in the army, you know, SOPs were everywhere. You know, and they were a little more complex than that. I wouldn't say complex, but longer right. in the army. Um, but in civilian world, they're just more direct. You do this. You do this. You do this. You do this. Make sure you do this. That's it. It's just a list of things that you do. Um, so SOPs are important, but, you know, at the same time, a lot of people don't read them. <laughs> <laughs> and it shows when they don't. And but you know, they'll help you don't. not get fined. Yes. And like we said, guys, coming down, the CCD does want to help, but they're going to have to take some directive actions for, you know, certain people that just do not want to follow the rules of the laws. And, you know, that reflects that. So uh, moving on. Another thing in the, the bill that it really that, that changes is uh, the requirement for your packaging. Before they wanted your packaging to be like recyclable, now it's like optional. And it doesn't oh. say optional, the way that it's written in the bill leaves it optional. Um, and so now it's not required. And so, you know, they, they want you to, it's like highly suggested, but I mean, it's like- People could argue that a Mylar is reusable. Yeah, you know, yeah, I can argue all kinds of things are reusable. So, yeah. you know, styrofoam can be reusable. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, um, that's just one thing in our industry that we're going to have to tackle in the future. Um, and this New Mexico is not the only one that deals with this. You know, right. every state has dealt with the recycling pro problem, with the problem of us having eight million dube tubes everywhere because, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. people really like pre-rolls, you know. And, you know, when I go to another state, if I just want to try something, I'll get a pre-roll, you know, I'll get a gram. And, you know, it's a small packaging and, you know, that, that adds up. So that's something that I think in the future will have to be tackled. It's something that's not going to change tomorrow. Um, 
next year or the year after, but eventually in the future, we are going to have to go in and kind of say, okay, what are we going to do about this packaging? You know, yeah. do we want to go glass? Do we want to go something all recyclable? You know, what? When so, I worked in the hemp industry, I briefly worked with a company that created packaging out of hemp mm -hmm. and they made the tubes. Oh, okay. And they're really cool, but they're nice. super expensive. Yeah. And that's the problem with, you yeah. know, recyclable stuff. It's kind of expensive sometimes. And also, like, um, the priority is to be childproof, right? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that's true too. You know, when you have childproof, you have to add plastic, you have to add metal, <laughs> and you have to have more complex devices and stuff, stuff that doesn't just open. So, right. and that, that complex, that makes the, the whole process more complicated. So you could probably only make certain parts of it recyclable right. and others not. So um, I guess that's just a change in the industry. I, I'm not going to give my opinion on it. That's up to you guys to make your opinion if it's good or bad for the industry. Um, but you know, that is something that could change. As we said before, this bill hasn't passed, hasn't been signed or anything. It's in committees. So this is just one of the ones that it's probably going to be the more predominant bill or the the more i don't know how many bills are coming out do you, do you know of any more that are going to be dropping other than this one i don't yeah. I, I do know that you know yesterday in santa fe, santa fe the vibe was super positive nice. regarding legislation mm -hmm. and adult use cannabis nice. and where we're going with the industry decreasing the stigma stigmatization yeah. and um you know moving on without the black market and so yeah. it was a really good Good climate up there. Nice. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's good when your, your state capital is behind yeah, an industry like this. Super. So that, that helps. That's good to hear. <laughs> we kind of need that, right? Yeah. You kind of need your, your state legislature <laughs> to back you in an industry like this. Definitely. Um, so that's good to see. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it, you know, cause I really wanted to go, but maybe the next time. Um, so uh, moving on from that one, really not much to talk about there other than it's just packaging. Um, Delta 8 is actually going to get regulated now or synthesized cannabinoids um, or the psychoactive ones that come from CBD. So you guys know you if you've been near a state that's illegal or pretty much anywhere, I think you have, yeah. you've seen Delta 8. I've seen it in gas stations, you know, and there's Delta 8, HHC, Delta O, Delta 10. There's even Delta 9 derivative from CBD. What they do is they take CBD and they put it through a chemical process you know, it's, it's, you know, like a, you know, some weird chemical process and then it ends up being psychoactive. And so at the end you end up with this product that will get you high, but at the same time it's synthetic, you know? And so you're just kind of like, well, ew. So you don't know <laughs> if it's good or not, or if it was made with a good process or was the process dirty or any of that. Yeah, so this kind of makes sense. Regulated. Yeah. And you know, Delta eight was an unregulated market. And it's mostly for the markets that don't have a cannabis industry really at all, like Texas. Right. You know, Texas, it is crazy over there with Delta 8. You know, like uh, you go over there and you can't throw a rock without hitting Delta 8. And so it's, uh, it's good that we're starting to regulate it here. It's not much of an issue here um, because we have regular, regulated, regular cannabis. Right. You people know. have access to other things. Yeah. You know, so it's a very small number of people that I've seen personally that use Delta 8, you know, here in New Mexico. Um, I, I worked at a CBD shop for a while that sold Delta 8 and, you know, there wasn't many people who used it, but the people that did use it were the ones who were like, well, cannabis THC is too high these days. You know, I like cannabis, right. but I don't like the, the high that it gives me now. But Delta 8 doesn't give me that, you know, crazy high. And I'm like, oh, interesting. You know, I, I tried it before and it wasn't for me. 
Um, but I like to call it diet weed. <laughs> you know, I was wondering if you're going to make the reference. Yeah, 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 I call it diet weed. But, you know, for some people, that's what they want. They want something not so intense. So, I mean, but, you know, it's, I mean, it's we not did, the majority. I do know of a producer here in southern New Mexico that has strains that are like 8%. Six percent THC yeah. that they grow specifically for the medical community. Yeah, nice, and that's good to see. And yeah. some people ask that, you know, I don't want something too high. And me myself, um, I like terpenes. So if it's at like 16, 20 percent, and it has like two, three percent terpenes in it, I'm probably gonna like it, and it's probably gonna kick my ass. Right. And so you know, that's something that I, I try to kind of test butt tenders on when I go in. I'm like, hey, what's your uh, highest terpene profile? You know, cannabis. You know that you have like. How many minutes do they stumble on their words? Uh, you know, one got argumentative with me one time. She wow. started to kind of argue with me. And I was like, dude, I was just asking my man. I'm sorry. So there's no way I could know that. And I'm like, I'm just here to sell you. <laughs> I'm just here to sell pot. I'm sorry. Yeah. And so like, I don't drill them, but I just ask them. I'm just curious. Cause you know, I want to, I want good smelling stuff when I smoke. So yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, I don't want something that smells bad. <laughs> so um, that's, that's my thing. You guys may be different. You know, some people just go in highest THC, get me in and out. You know, that's just how they are. Um, me on the other hand, I'm not that way. So that's, that's pretty much the gist of three on three for the most part, guys. I mean, is there anything that I missed that you, you saw that we should probably talk about? Cause I just kind of read what I thought was, you know, kind of important. I know there's new stuff, not new stuff, I mean, but more stuff. I do stuff. think it's remarkable that they're going to um, establish something in regard to a committee for social and economic equity. Yes. Oh, and I skipped um, over that, didn't I? Because, yes. <laughs> you know, that's the spirit that the industry should operate under because it is part of our adult use rec program. Yeah, it is. Um, so I really see that as a positive change and, um, I, you know, have dealt with a lot of clients and there are some clients who are eligible um, if there were to be a social and economic equity program, um, whether they're, you know, have been negatively impacted by the criminalization of cannabis or um, they come from some other challenge, you know, in their life that would make them eligible. So I think that I, I see some smaller businesses uh, chasing their dreams, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I would love to see something around social and economic equity that provides some funding, um, something beyond what NMFA is, is offering right now. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm excited for that. I want to see that happen. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's called the, the equity bureau. And, you know, that, that, that'll be good for the, the cannabis industry um, just to make sure that, you know, it's an even playing field for the most part. And we'll see how it goes. Like we said, it could change and, you know, who it is, what it is could change too. But let's hope it's for the positive for the industry. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be something like crazy because in one of the bills at the very bottom, it adds um, the inspectors as peace officers. They're, they're police officers, you know, but they'll be inspectors. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, ah, we need more inspectors, but not officers. Ooh. Yeah. So that bill, I don't know how well that's going to do. Um, it's like snuck in at the very bottom. It's like all secretive. It's just making it too complicated. Oh, it is definitely. So um, that's the the 313 guys, um, pretty much the gist of it and everything. And thank you for, you know, um, I skipped over the equity part because I did want to talk about that. Um, okay. Yeah. And I'm glad that we did. So that's, uh, that's 313. Um, going down to 314, actually, um, right here, the ex expungement. And then uh, right here is actually cracking down in 313. Um, I already talked about um, CCD giving more, getting more um, power and stuff like that. 
Um, and it's mostly just for businesses who just pose a harm to the public or the industry is like, I like to say too, cause it's both, you know, you, you pose not just a harm to the public with selling moldy product and right. stuff like that, but you also pose a threat to the industry as a whole, because you give us a black eye, you know, right. like we all get lumped in one just category guys. It's not just, Oh, this one cannabis producer. No, if one cannabis producer does it, we all do it guys. And it's not the fact that, well, I didn't do it. I know you didn't do it, but we all get blamed for it. You right. know, like, and that's, that's just the way it is. And it sucks. It'll change one day, but not today or tomorrow. So, um, but anyway, going down to 314, um, this is the expungement act that uh, actually Andrea and Javier, you know, the two representatives I mentioned before, this is their act again. This is their uh, bill as well, you know, both of them together. And I kind of feel like it's an extension of 313, yeah. kind of like they did with um, the CRA. You know, they had the other yeah. extension for the other stuff. So what this does is it kind of clarifies expungement because a lot of confusion came from the CRA one. And a lot of people are like, well, am I automatically expunged? Or like, no, you got to apply for the, apply for it and everything. And this kind of just clarifies and says, that okay, now some are going to be automatically expunged after a certain amount of time. Um, they're going to clarify what it's for. It's mostly for like possession and paraphernalia, you know, stuff like that. You know, I don't think it's for selling. It's no, like co-charges. Yeah, exactly. So they're just clarifying, like cleaning up some loopholes and stuff like that, guys, and just really making sure that they have good language in there so no one gets confused anymore. Because a lot of people have come to me and asked like, well, I don't know this process. And I've had to like, you're going to have to talk to a lawyer right. because they're the only ones that can really guide you through that process because I have no clue whatsoever. Um, so it, it's good that they're, doing this bill and clarifying it i'm just kind of afraid of what it's going to turn into towards the end if it does pass you know what i mean not very of the socially equitable <laughs> if you need to call a lawyer no exactly yeah and i think that's where they're going at with this one you shouldn't have to call a lawyer if you you know you're supposed to be expunged automatically maybe just like a two-page application yeah you know and with stuff that you have no clue how to get or what any of that yeah. language says yeah so this is just fair it makes the, the, it the playing fair. field a little more fair for people, you know, especially people wanting to get, you know, benefits, you know, want to get, you know, certain uh, school stuff even, you know, some people are barred from that because of the charges that they have, you know, they can't right. get, you know, certain loans. stuff for school loans, yeah. um, you know, even, you know, public housing stuff, you know, people get screwed over with that. So this will help some people in that area and maybe get them back on their feet and, you know, be productive in um, the community again. So, so that's um, pretty much 314 um, guys in, in a nutshell. Um, I mean, it's really short. It's like maybe two paragraphs. Like I looked at it and it fills up maybe one page and I was like, oh, that's it. Okay. Wow. Pretty. It just sounds like some housekeeping to me. Yeah. Yeah. Just some housekeeping stuff, closing up those loopholes, just making sure that, you know, the language and everything is, you know, good to go on it. Um, so moving on, we're going to go to this next bill and this is actually a different representative. This one is HB331 and it's Tara Lujan. She's a Democrat and she's from District 48 in Santa Fe. Now this one is for licensed background checks. I'm sure you've had to <laughs> deal with those a lot. A lot. <laughs> so a lot. before I really get into this and it kind of just, to me, it seems they're just clarifying stuff again and closing right. up loopholes and they're changing the FBI thing, but also keeping the FBI thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're taking the FBI thing out directly, adding, you know, more checks, but then mentioning FBI again later on, which is kind of funny. Um, so what are the kind of the things that you've seen when it came to the background? Because I've seen some stuff too. Um, some like loopholes you know, and kind of... Some of them things. take an extent, extended amount of time mm -hmm. and I try to give the situation the benefit of the doubt but yeah. honestly a lot of people have duplicate names 
And oh, really? So I've seen that hold up the background check. Okay. You know, like if you, you and I have really unique names, but yeah. you know, if you were to apply with a more common name, there's like five other people in the state that have that name. Like so, Tony Lopez. Right. Or, <laughs> or in the culture in New Mexico, some people have like, we're at birth, we're given four names. Yeah. But they've like randomly cho chosen two of the names to be instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Just, yeah, yeah. It's like, so uh... like oh, uh, I looked at your driver's license. I didn't know your name was such and such. Yeah. You got to switch up your authorization for release. Oh, and that makes just more paperwork. Yeah, I mean, but that's really all I've seen. Um, you know, the, the process is really messy because you like fill it out, email it to CCD. At this time, you they then open the portal and you upload it to the portal and then you resubmit. Oh my gosh. And so it's, and then CCD then sends it on to DPS. And at one time there was like, a specific customer service email that you could send to DPS to check on CCD oh background checks, but that person's not there anymore, I don't think. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's a little messy because it takes a lot of steps. Everything's mm -hmm. basically being filtered through Canvas Control Division, whether it's going to DPS or Office of the State Engineer. Um, so there's some extra steps in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it and it makes sense. I mean, it's just bureaucracy. In hemp, I swear, we like went and did our own background checks of the really? place down the road and like gave our <laughs> fingerprints and they like signed off on it and yeah. then we mailed it to Santa Fe. No way. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So this, you know, there's, there's probably no good way to accomplish this. Yeah. And, you know, I could see that, you know, like when it comes to background checks, it's nitty and gritty because you have the state, you have the federal... And then I'm sure there's different companies and stuff that helps with backgrounds right. and it gets really messy. And then you're dealing with, you know, local police agencies. And so those are totally different on their and you, own. And, and you can be charged for, a, you know, basically a violent felony, mm -hmm. you know, for some things that might not seem that are that severe yeah. to people. And yeah. so all of a sudden they're applying for a license and... They're like, well, it wasn't that bad. Several people have not disclosed their background before we did it. Um, but nobody's been denied that I know of, okay. regardless of what their background is. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's that's a positive because, I mean, some people, you know, they, they did go to prison and, you know, they did do some time. So, you know. A lot of people, it was like 26 years ago. Yeah, you know, change, people change. <laughs> you know, people do change. So, you know, like, and I've seen it in the industry, you know, some of them look rough, but, you know, you can tell they're just changed. They're a total different right. person. Um, and that's great to see, but they shouldn't be, you know, scrubbed from the whole program. <laughs> right. You know? no, no, <laughs> yeah. So it, it sucks that, you know, you had to do more work for them, you know, yeah. but it just, it's, it's bureaucracy. There's nothing we can do about it. You know, like the, it's just all the paperwork and stuff and you're dealing with different agencies and you're dealing with an industry that's federally illegal on top right. of it. So, you know, that creates even more paperwork and more bureaucracy because you're dealing with that. So, um, but like I said, um, the bill really just struck out like a whole paragraph and a lot of other things that just didn't really make any sense now. And they just added in pretty much like, oh, we're just going to kind of change the process up a little bit. We're going to take out <laughs> FBI and uh, we're going to add a national check and then add it back in the <laughs> sentence under it. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And so it gets kind of confusing. And I don't know I how they're people... they're just changing their process a little I do too. I think they got weighted down at DPS from this because mm -hmm. of the number of licenses. They probably did not expect yeah. this many people to submit a license. 
I agree um, because when we started last April, we had more dispensaries in New Mexico than Colorado did when they started. Mm. And I think we have 585 at this time of like just, I think, cannabis businesses and everything at the time. So, I mean, that's a lot, you know, for a state of 2.3 million people, that's a lot of businesses. And so, you know, that's a lot for these people to do. And yeah, I remember when the, you know, the licenses were going in, like, holy crap, we're, we're overwhelmed. And like all the boxes that they had stacked up and, you know, it yeah, was and there's other like regulated industries that require background checks. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, even the flow pretty increased substantially for a while. Yeah. And, you know, you're dealing with something so new, you know, the, the industry here is so brand new that, you know, we're having hiccups, you know, and we had this honeymoon phase, you know, like I said, you know, like we're so new, we had a honeymoon phase. So, but that's pretty much, um, three, three, one in a nutshell, guys, it's pretty much just clarifying some, um, background stuff and everything. And, you know, just kind of changing things up, crossing things out, adding new ones. If you guys really want to get the nitty gritty on that, and if it affects you, go ahead and read it. That's why I gave you the, the bill number. So you guys can go into the NM ledges website. It's NM l-e-g-i-s <laughs> dot g-o-v and that's how you find it you actually right now all you do is on the home page you scroll down and it gives you a little search bar type in cannabis hit search and all the bills pertaining to cannabis or even i think that has cannabis in it will pop up and then you can see the numbers on the left and then representative etc cetera, etc cetera. once you open it up you can get everything there so um i'm not here to like guide you through the bill i'm just here to tell you that the bill's there <laughs> yeah the bill's there and you should probably go read it um, so here's a few things to consider that, you know, that's, that's going on in, in like our industry and some things that I guess are kind of being brought up more that I've seen is labeling. I guess labeling is still an issue. Um, and it's a big issue and it's an issue actually we've had since we were medical. And I remember this because certain ones I'd go to, you know, that have everything on there, you know, like, Oh, THC, who produced it, you know, uh, who sold it, this and that, how much is in there, who your butt tender was, you know? Right. And then other places you go in, it was a Ziploc bag with like one of those little labels from Christmas. <laughs> yeah. You know, to from, you know, <laughs> to the patient's name from dispensary's name. And that's it. Well, <laughs> interestingly enough in medical, in the license application for manufacturing, you had to submit a sample. Oh, label. really? Oh, so the but, ones doing this wrong or like purposely <laughs> doing this wrong. I don't know. <laughs> but in adult use rec, you don't have to submit a sample label. Oh, uh, okay. I think you had to submit a sample label for every product you were going to produce. I mean, it kind of makes sense. You know, you should have it on hand. Some too. people make peanut butter. So mm-hmm. there were like allergen considerations. Yeah. You know, it was pretty detailed and specific. So no, no, you're dealing with a, a product like this and it's being put into so many different things that you know it makes sense that we have to do that <laughs> you know that really brings up an issue that could actually be like for podcasts which is that um the way rld has handled licensing okay there, there potentially are some ways that they could um you know toughen up the process a little to like weed some people out like yeah. have them submit additional documentation with their application yeah. See what I did there? Weed some people out. <laughs> <laughs> Pun unintended. <laughs> now we sound like real media outlets <laughs> making these lame puns. <laughs> so, no, I agree. So, these, <laughs> so these people do need to be weeded out um, because I, I was reading an article earlier and, you know, had a couple people and they right. were talking about the labeling. And, you know, I've seen it too, you know, no expiration dates. Right. And um, one of the people I was talking about it. They're new to the industry and they were actually selling illegal products from California. And that was another thing that we need to consider in the state is the places that are selling 
illegal products. Guys, it's not legal to do that in the state. Not yet. Anyway. Right. In the future, it might be maybe four or five years. Um, but right now, what you sell has to be produced, manufactured, made, whatever in New Mexico. You know, it can't come from California. Then you manufactured it here. It can't come from Oklahoma. It's still in the same Oklahoma packaging. And you sell it here because Voila. that's happening from, <laughs> with the California ones. And, you know, the that's one reason why RLD and CCD has to come down and crack down right. because of, you know, instances like this. So, you know, this is stuff to consider, guys. You know, if you're selling illegal products in your shop, please stop. Like I've also heard of copycat mm-hmm. products on the Internet. Oh, like yeah. New Mexico copycat. Yeah, and, and stuff like that. So just just keep in mind, guys. You know, um, be careful when you're buying stuff online. I know we can order online now, and we can have stuff delivered. So just make sure it's from a reputable source. It's from an actual real dispensary and someone they you can have actually have a courier license. They have a courier license, and here's this: you can look up licenses in New Mexico who has Super the courier easily. license. Yes, and how do you do it? You go to the CCD website, and when you go to apply for a license there's a, an additional button that says search and you just hit search and put, they give you like six options you can put the do. business name the owner's name the address the business number license number i think you can yeah so it's really easy it's guys easy. yeah you may have to do a little work but it'll be worth it to make we, sure that your pocketbook is protected we can even see the six licenses you opened before you figured out the one you really wanted to submit yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know if they messed up like the name or something yeah i've seen those i'm like why is there five? Oh. <laughs> so yeah guys um it's, it's really easy to look in the portal it's really open everything um, is public record yeah. and that's really that's a great segue into what i wanted to say about about compliance, yeah. um, which compliance is not a secret or a trick or, yeah. um, you know, compliance is really straightforward. And even as a cannabis business owner, we, I, I don't personally own a cannabis business, but you have the opportunity to, to access ex- the, the exact tool that cannabis control division uses when they yeah. inspect you. So you mm-hmm. make a public records request and you can get their score sheet. So you have a cheat sheet. Yeah, you have a cheat sheet, essentially. And um, some people, I even recommend them creating a binder and using this as their table of contents. Because then when Cannabis Control Division comes, you have a binder and you can immediately hand it to them. And, you know, less is more in those situations. You don't want to, like, go to Sunday confession. You just (laughs) want to give CCD what you have and then have them (laughs) ask questions later. Exactly. You know, and no one, no one's going to, you know, get inspected and not be nervous. You right, know, yeah, right. you're like everybody's going to be a little nervous. So don't feel like, you know, you've done something totally wrong. Right? No, you're no, just, no, It's natural to feel that. Right, way. right. Um, and I mean, you probably did do something wrong. No one is 100% <laughs> compliant. True. It's, it's super difficult. Yeah. And um, also the inspectors are there to find something wrong. That's their job. Yeah. They're, you know, basically auditors and, mm-hmm. and, they want to find at least one thing, probably. I guess um, they wouldn't be a good inspector if they didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, leave them something. Yeah, yeah, give know. them something, you know, leave a mop bucket out or something. I was just going to say <laughs> something really, really similar. So. Yeah, leave a mop bucket out or something. You know, uh, and, and compliance is important. Don't become operational at your retail spot or your production facility until you have some of the real core compliance things taken care of, your yeah. security cameras, mm-hmm. your registration on biotrack if there is an issue with your biotrack keep really um great 
paper records yeah. that could potentially be transferred into BioTrack um, once you figure out what you're doing. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's really important to treat your cannabis business like any other business. Mm -hmm. That's what we want the city to do when they come to inspect us, yeah. right? Yeah. We want them to treat us like we're growing tomato plants or... Or flipping burgers. Or, yeah, yeah, whatever. And um, and we should act in the same way. We should have our business in order and it should be safe for us and safe for the community. Um, and things should be taken into consideration, like, you know, fire extinguishers and exit doors yeah. and badges. badges, visitor badges. That was another one I saw yeah. a lot was, you know, no visitor badges. I mean, Cannabis Control Division actually has a section where they say that, and I, believe this is true and I didn't just make it up in some dream but where they say that you should post emergency phone numbers mm -hmm. at your location and so I literally make my clients like their emergency phone number list <laughs> with their own address and it says you are here because people get like really flustered in, yeah. a, in an emergency you know yeah. and so it's just simple things that mm -hmm. you know you can do to to increase your compliance and yeah. reduce any risk of something unsafe happening. And most businesses I've seen, you know, just not cannabis or you're just in general, they have like a whole area, usually in the break area, and it has like a whole bill, like billboard stuff of like compliance, right. you know, what the minimum wage is right now, right. you know, this and this. And so maybe the businesses can take, you know, some ideas like that and implement it in their businesses as well. You know, right. it just makes it easier. Sometimes they ship it to you. You know, like sometimes a city or whatever, they'll just send it to you. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, like, and you just put it up and yeah. like your work's done. It's like an OSHA package. Yeah, yeah. Like a whole package for yeah. it. You just put it up and then your employees read it. Totally. And yeah. So, you know, it's stuff like that, guys. So think outside the box sometimes. You know, there's yeah. other resources you can look at or, and, you know, or look towards um, to help you out. You mentioned that the city is super supportive and mm -hmm. they are. They hold a weekly meeting. I believe it's Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And any cannabis business owner can go in and they have a selection of employees from the city there to help answer questions. So, you know. Yeah, there's another resource right there, you know, free for you. <laughs> yeah, totally. You could go and, you know, say I'm ready to open my business, but I'm not sure I'm compliant. And yeah. They could check a lot of things off the list for nice. your local municipality. Nice. And, you know, sometimes the local municipalities is like your last hangup. You know, like I've seen a lot of people go in and like, oh, we're just waiting on the city. We're just waiting on the city. We're just waiting on the city. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. You know, and yeah. if you're not in a supportive city area, um, you're going to have a hard time. You know, like if you're in somewhere that doesn't want cannabis there, because in this state, we're not like California. California, 70% of those cities don't sell cannabis. Like they right. can't. But in New Mexico, it's not that way. They're not no. allowed to. But they can make your life hard. You know, they can. <laughs> yeah, they can make your life a lot harder. We're super lucky yes. in the city limits. and. Um, also, the county has been more and more open to yeah. discussions and how they can create success in the industry within mm -hmm. Doniana County. And um, we've been allowed as the association to attend some meetings with nice. Macias and some of his staff. So that's cool. Yeah, it is. You know, I've got to meet with a couple of uh, county representatives and stuff too, or the, you know, the counselors. And uh they're pretty cool. You know, yeah. like they're really open, you know, they really want to, you know, see it thrive too. But, you know, there's a lot of misleading information. And of course there's a, like the, the people out there in the certain area of the city who want to get rid of a certain farm because it's too close to the houses. Right. Uh, right, yeah, right. Yeah, that community of uh, people. Yeah, those are my clients. <laughs> <laughs> that poor guy. <laughs> you know, they're super scared. 
no, yeah. their first play on the ground. And yeah. they've been licensed and ready to go for a while now. Oh, that poor dude. Yeah, I've talked to him before. <laughs> I, I've, I've met him before. And yeah, I felt bad. I was like, oh, man. So, but anyway, what are, what are there some other compliance stuff that, you know, you really want to share with, you know, people maybe getting um, started or maybe people even in the industry now? that you know would help them out so that way they don't get dinged with a thousand dollars if that happens you know one of the changes that occurred during the application process initially you had to submit a premise diagram with your application i remember that yeah and then it sort of became an issue because all this is public record mm -hmm. um so you did you no longer had to submit an actual diagram but you had to attest that you would always have one on the premises oh okay that's fine and so um you know, that gets overlooked. People mm -hmm. are anxious to get going and get to their first harvest yeah. and they forget what they attested to six months ago. Yeah. Um, so one of the things everyone who has a cannabis business um, said they would do is create a premise diagram. Mm -hmm. And the premise diagram actually has to fit certain criteria per the cannabis control division. It has to have every camera on it mm -hmm. and every camera has to be numbered on the diagram. Um, you have to have a limited access area designated mm -hmm. um, in your facility. You have to have the entrances and exits marked. I'm pretty sure you have to have a fire. Like uh, a fire. In case of fire, how you leave oh, the building. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, make sure you do a premise diagram. Um, it needs to have a, I can actually tell you everything. I have it right here. It needs to have a brief <laughs> statement or description of what you do. The boundaries of the property, which are important because I believe that some people submitted their premise diagram of just the building, mm -hmm. but it has to include the whole boundary of the oh, property. Oh, got it, got it, okay. Um, any equipment you use, mm -hmm. I actually create my clients a, just an outline for them to create an equipment list. Mm -hmm. And it's not only helpful for CCD, but it's helpful for yourself because if something were to break, yeah. that list basically has the one I have my clients create is a list of equipment where it came from mm -hmm. and you know, the brand so that they, serial numbers. Yeah. yeah. In, the, in case of an emergency, they can like replace it. Yeah. Call in, you know, customer support, yeah. tech support, whatever. Yeah, yeah so, definitely. Um, you have to have every entrance exit interior portion location of the lights where plants are cultivated, the max wattage or wattage equivalent walls, rooms, windows, and doorways all on your diagram. Nice. Yeah. Wow. So. That's quite a bit though. Yeah. So, you know, maybe some people would probably hire like electrical engineer probably for some people parts, have yeah. some really nice ones. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm sure like bougie. <laughs> some you know, people like, are like me and like got their graft paper <laughs> and their roller out. I got this in photo sand. It's black and white though. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. No okay. Highlighting. <laughs> so. so I can't use like crayon or like, you no, know, like, no, no, no crayon. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least I know now. You know, and, <laughs> and probably the other really simple compliance thing that you can do for your business is something any other business would do but create a personnel file for mm -hmm. each of your employees okay and make sure there's a document in there that um, indicates that your employees have been through some training and canvas control division actually requires that that document be signed by the person who was trained and the trainee oh and okay the trainee and the trainer and yeah. have the date that it occurred mm -hmm. and so everybody's personnel file at Canvas businesses needs one of those for Canvas Control Division. You know, that makes sense. And it'll just make it easier, you know, when yeah. they come in to inspect. It's like, where's it at? It's in that cabinet over there. Okay, right. alphabetical, here's a name. Like, you know, they could probably the just think of their food handlers license. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like, okay, Sally was the, the girl I saw at the window. Right. I'm gonna look her file. Right. 
Okay, she has everything here. You guys are good to go. Yeah, Perfect. she's trained. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. You know, you guys are training your employees. You know, I mean, what they're supposed to be. Cannabis control division's inspection sheet is actually about seven or eight pages long. Mm -hmm. um, before I got a hold of it, I created one myself. It's only four. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I did send it to Cannabis Control Division for feedback. I never really heard back from them. So, no, I have a good relationship with the inspectors and I know who they are and they know who I am. So, um, you know, that really the, the, the compliance trick here and tip is to be familiar with what you need when mm -hmm. the Cannabis Control Division knocks on the door. Yeah. And again, I just really encourage people, even though it seems a little antiquated because we're all online and stuff, but mm -hmm to physically create a binder yeah. that has everything in, you know, a copy of your license, mm -hmm. a copy of in the army. We call that a diagram. We call it a love me binder. <laughs> Dude, I have put some love into some of these. Yeah. Binders. Yeah. See, yeah, yeah, that's why you put I love I in it. I won't name the dispensary, but I did bejewel somebody's binder. <laughs> <laughs> the CCD says that they're not even going to look at it. Like, no, that thing's squared away. <laughs> they said that they know when I've made the binder. <laughs> They've got my number too. <laughs> they, oh, they know, that's hilarious. They know my Yeah, your whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, you have quite a following. <laughs> uh, it's like, all right then. Yeah. Well, what color binder did they get? <laughs> <laughs> so do you change the colors quite often? I use I use between five and six different colors. <laughs> so you have like a palette really. If I use... really love you, you get a green one. Oh, okay, okay, that's okay. I'll keep that in mind. No offense to my clients out there who don't have a green binder. It may be that I didn't have one. <laughs> she loves all her clients. I do love all my clients. Nice. And actually, I used to work in the behavioral health field, and I can't really go into detail, but many things from my behavioral health life have come full circle. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being a grant writer and doing mm -hmm. program evaluation, and um, even some of the clients that I work with. Today, maybe I saw them in my past life as a behavioral health provider. So mm -hmm. it's really cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm super passionate about my clients. And I also operate in the spirit of social and economic equity because nice. I don't want my services necessarily to be the, the challenge or the, you know, roadblock that didn't make them proceed forward so yeah definitely and you know you're only here to help you know yeah just i just like, i just try to get people to the starting gate and yeah get pray in. for them after that no, <laughs> yeah, i'm just kidding so. i'm like how do you can you help me like like the mama turtle just you know yeah. wishing them luck as they go into the ocean yeah yeah no, I, I do feel like a cannabis mom i definitely have some cannabis kids out there yeah. who are uh you know 20 to 30 year olds who are opening cannabis businesses nice it's good to see Sometimes don't know a lot about business, and nor do they know a lot about cannabis. But they're or excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or it's that weird. Yeah, the weird thing called life. Yeah, yeah you know, experience in life. Yeah, so yeah, I, and I like seeing that. You know, the age differences. You know, it it's varies. You know, it's not just old people in this. You know, these young people. There's middle age. Yeah. There's older. You know, it's it's a wide range of people, and I like that. You know, keeping it equal. <laughs> yeah, I I. I personally like to promote the women in the industry as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just think that the cannabis industry is a place to become bigger and better always that we can eventually have some really skilled positions and potentially maybe even some community programs that place people in well-paying skilled 
positions in the cannabis industry. So I agree, hundred percent. You know, yeah. I've I have sisters, so you know, I support women in the industry, hundred percent. Yeah. You know, you know, and in New Mexico, we actually have, I believe, more women owners than some other states. You know, so it's actually good to hear and see. It's not a majority, of course. You know, not yeah. yet, but you know, it's it's more than other states. And I'm like, oh, that's good to see yeah. here. You know, you know, we have more there, so. Um, what are some other, maybe one more tip before we go today? One more tip. <laughs> mm, no, I'm just kidding. If you're a producer, you um, need to have a cultivation plan. Okay. Once Cannabis Control Division comes. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And, and actually, in the inspections, I won't say who the inspector was because I don't want to, like, call him out or anything. But, <laughs> I mean her. I mean him. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, he was very interested and took the time to listen to the to the cultivation business owners and what their daily routine was, mm-hmm. um, how they did give the plants love or yeah. didn't give the plants love. Yeah, and, yeah. and so, you know, I loved seeing that that was an important part of, of the visit from Canvas Control Division, that they were interested in the processes and procedures and the day-to-day in and out. So, you know, have somebody, have like a general manager or somebody on site who basically has a good overview and knows what's going on. So when Cannabis Control Division comes, they can talk about, you know, the infrastructure and the day-to-day stuff. No, it makes sense, you know. So try to have your A-team there, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. Know. I mean, you don't, you don't know. Yeah, but. you won't know, but I guess try. If you yeah. kind of feel that it's coming, try to prepare for it (laughs) the other thing is that i found when because there would be times where people would call me for a license but i could tell they were like really smart and already had it going on and had gone through some of the steps Mm -hmm. but then i'd like start to ask them about their social equity plan and like some of these people had like written master's thesis here by four page social equity so i get this question a lot too what is the most simple social equity plan you could just tell someone to do uh, dude i literally write like a four paragraph one that's like <laughs> <laughs> um like you know introducing the company mm-hmm. if it's a husband or and a wife i always list the wife first okay and i try to say it's woman-led if that's the situation and then, um, you know, I describe the company and I highlight anything that might be considered to go under social and economic equity. Okay. Um, maybe if they're, you know, of a different race or something. Mm-hmm. And then the next paragraph, I say that um, the company won't discriminate, mm-hmm. um, you know, in any way, shape or form. Race, color, you know, blah, blah, blah. I also say that the company, and I talk to the company about these things ahead of time and be like, hey, you have to do this. And, yeah. <laughs> but that they will um, make an effort to recruit um, employees from all different areas. Maybe they're going to post on a job board at the library, you know, not just social media because, okay. you know, there might be like a really awesome older person or younger person who doesn't like social media. You know, maybe if you're a cannabis business owner, you want to put up a job announcement at Munson Senior Center. I don't yeah, know, yeah, you know, so. Um, and then it also says that in some way they'll give back to their community. Okay. Some businesses already know, you know, they, they're like, we do this, you know, we mm-hmm. hold a clothing drive. We hold a canned food drive. Yeah. Some people want to train people coming into the industry or function as a mentor. Some people want to do tabling on yeah. ending the stigmatization. So um, 
those are really the four points I hit. And I, I really do encourage people not to overthink it because yeah. what's happening nice is thesis. there's somebody at <laughs> Cannabis Control Division with a checklist. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming, I don't know you guys, I never worked there, but I've worked <laughs> similar type jobs. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, they have a checklist and they're just checking off that you make your major points yeah, you don't yeah. have to divulge your life story and at and, that point they haven't memorized probably and they're just yeah, like got it got it got I'm it i'm sure good. they see mine and they're like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's not a thesis but it's there <laughs> <laughs> but same if you decide to write your policies and procedures don't mm -hmm. get caught up on you know like making it OSHA certified or something. Yeah. I personally am not OSHA certified. The mm -hmm. people in the state of New Mexico who are and who write SOPs are much more expensive than me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're at that level, if you're a large producer or manufacturer, you should probably have somebody a tiny bit more sophisticated than me. Not really. I could help you still. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, huge, huge people. Yeah. So... Um, but yeah, those are like my little tips. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate that. You know, and that, that might help a few people out. Cause you know, even for me trying to explain it to someone, I was like, oh, how do I explain it? But it's so simple, you know, it's, it it's so simple, simple, but people then people do overthink it. Yeah. And I tell like, don't overthink, you know, the process of this, like, like yeah. the environmental part, like, what do we put for that? Like, do I have to have like a hazmat suit or something? Yeah. Or like, oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, on a water and energy use plan, yeah. I do include, you know, the water source, how mm. much they suspect they're going to use. Yeah. I recently had somebody tell me that they use like four gallons per a plant per a day, which seemed really high compared to what everybody else like was telling me. It's like a gallon, a gallon. Like, yeah. Okay, I'll put it down, guys. It's like, okay. Uh. So, you know, and for most people entering the cannabis industry if they don't have experience in medical or hemp or something this is a huge lesson in scaling up yeah and no, so definitely. when you're going from your back bedroom no i'm just kidding <laughs> to a warehouse yeah. <laughs> that's monitored by cameras yeah um you know compliance is a thing no definitely you know like there's no cutting corners at that point anymore. not not yeah. really especially yeah. like you said once the honeymoon period is over yeah and like right now guys you know you can kind of continue to mess up until things change but just try not to <laughs> like, right. yeah you can all day like you know it's possible but just please don't we're, like you know we're all the same yeah we all want the same things we all want to be successful yeah. and you know, collaboration is probably the key in the end, us helping each other out, yeah. different businesses be, you know, calling other businesses or calling me to say that they got inspected and yeah. telling me about their experience is always awesome, dude, because yeah. I've learned so much about the people who called and reported to me about their inspections if I wasn't there. Um, so yeah, do it. Nice. The, yeah. the two C's to be successful, compliance and avoid contamination. <laughs> I love it. So they tell my clients. <laughs> well, now you can tell the rest of the, the rest of the state and the industry, you know. Guys, like... be compliant and avoid contamination. You will be successful. I, I recently it. had somebody tell me that you need to really be thinking about your price points, too. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Price points. It's going to be a big thing here. Really, really soon. <laughs> it's going to be everything. Yeah. No, it's definitely. It's going to be all we talk about on this podcast in the next two to five years. Yeah. You know, and I predicted that about the first year to about two years, we're going to see high prices and then we'll see a yeah. dip, you know, then, then it, we're kind of been headed towards the dip, to be honest. 
Well, I'd um, love to come back and have that conversation. Me too. Okay. Well, I appreciate awesome. you joining Thank me. You. Where Thank can you. the people find you and everything and, you know, what you do and all that <laughs> <laughs> before we head out? Um, I feel like I know everybody. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, I'm definitely on Facebook under my personal name. Mm -hmm. I do own two LLCs that have Instagrams. One's called Girls Who Grow. Okay. And the other one's called Cannabis Industries. <laughs> nice. And I actually have a cannabis, a 1961 Volkswagen Candleland. Are you going to so use it? Like, are you going to run it I brought it out to one of the dispensary's grand openings recently. You got to bring it out more. <laughs> I, let, I let people have a little smoke session. Oh, nice. <laughs> and we got some amazing pictures. So. Oh, cool. I'll have to see those sometime. Yeah. 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 We'll start on the social media, then I guess I'll see Yeah, it. yeah. Uh, I think Coco. I don't know who took those pictures. Okay, yeah, Coco's a good guy. Yeah. I have to have him on here sometime. Coco, I know you watch. I know you watch too, Coco. Shout out. <laughs> Free before you, Melissa buddy. Melissa too. <laughs> the good people love them. So All anyway, right. thank you again, thank Nicole, you, for dude. joining me thank on this. Thank you so much. Of course, yeah. Great. It's been great, and um, I'm glad we got to talk about compliance and everything. And before we go, guys, RLD is hiring a cannabis compliance officer here in Las Cruces. So if you're interested in that position, um, go ahead and um, apply for it. I'm sure it's on the RLD on website. Their website. Yeah, on the careers. So anyway, thank you again, guys, for joining me on this fourth episode of Ask Chad Grafty Logic. Nicole, again, thank you so much. Thank Such you. great information came from this, and it probably helps so many people out in the state. So I had a great time. Thank you so much. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, we're out of here, and I'll see you next week. All right.